right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold. Why am I hearing myself? Oh, it's because I have YouTube on to uh, see how we look. My bad. (laughs) I'm sitting here like I hear it. I hear it. I'm like, why am I hearing myself? This has never happened. Has it been too long since I've talked to somebody else? Um, (laughs) uh, I'm glad something's never changed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Back back again uh, with my uh, close friend and obviously the person who even who created this platform with me. John Wade, highly requested, as if that's like not a secret. Uh, but look, even the chat, the Garnet Texan, they remember. They remember back in the day. Why can't I uh, see the chat? Uh, you're not hitting comments, maybe? It's been oh, a while it's under comments now. Yeah, well. I, dude, I'm rusty. I'm so yeah. rusty. <laughs> uh, John, how have you been? Everybody's honestly just wondering where the fuck have you been? Well, you know, uh, I know, getting... I yeah, know, yeah, but yeah. Just, you know, still getting used to the new normal. Um, for those of y'all that may or may not know, um, like I got divorced in the past year and I have two small kids. So doing the single dad thing sometimes, plus just all that and new living situation. So it's been it's been a crazy year. And then on top of it all, like I've still watched the Texans. I still read up on the Texans. I still follow everything as much as I can, but it's just not the same passion as I yeah. used to have. Uh, honestly, just, they haven't been fun. Like, it just hasn't been fun. Like, they used to be an escape. And the fact that they're not an escape anymore with everything that I have going on in my personal life. And I mean, and, and my youngest child, he still has his health issues. And so we're sitting there, we're, we're trying to juggle, like, my new normal and this team that I used to love and used to be my escape, even when things were going bad, just hadn't been it. So to get on and, and talk, I mean, it was tough. Uh, like, I love talking to James. Like, I could talk to James about anything and everything. And we usually do, and especially on personal phone calls. But just talking to Texans and not being able to stay up to date on my research and with my notes and things like that, every time I felt like I came on the show, it was just almost like, yeah, I don't know. what. what oh, can we cuss now? I don't, I don't know. What yeah, I mean, I cuss, I cuss normally. Okay. Yeah, so I, I came on, I'd come on the show and I just really felt like I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Like I was just talking yeah. entirely from emotions, which I mean, today, honestly, there's going to be a, a lot of that, sure. but that's not how I've ever wanted to be when, when I'm on the show. So it was just kind of taking that away. And I mean, remember two years ago, James took six months off to kind of refresh, like we've just all needed to do it at times. Like, yeah. I look at my podcast feed and tried to find the other Texans podcast still. And it's, they drop like flies, like for mm-hmm. us to be around as long as we've been around in some form or fashion, uh, maybe not always the most consistent, but compared to every other Houston Texans show out there, like we're the old standbys, but it's still a grind. Uh, even if we, even when we love it, so taking a break, getting, yeah. putting other things in priority, like you just have to do it sometimes. You know, it's funny, John, uh, I, I didn't realize it, but like, and it, it, I'm in a couple of group chats on uh, on Twitter, and and somebody somebody called us like basically like the standard. Like we were we kind of created a lane for a lot of people, and and pointed out two podcasts, the two that are, are currently going that basically took everything that we did and and mm-hmm. literally refabricated it to to be their own. Um, and you know, I, and honestly, it took somebody else telling me that for me to really understand. Like we really were like there was State of the Texans. Uh, and then there was us, 
That was yeah. it. There were, there was nobody else. Um, and this would be year seven. If I, I think so. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the seventh and, season. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I, I reflect back on like what we've done and it, it, it really is mind blowing still to this day to think about like what we've like, there's just the, whether it be the interviews or the events or just episodes that we've had, um, you know, with adding Jordan uh, back in the day and watching Jordan where he's at now doing it for a living. And, uh, you know, so many other things, uh, the website, like there really was like a, a lot of stuff that we were doing that honestly was, it, it's still mind blowing to me. And, and to know that like people still like, I mean, honestly, weekly, uh, where's, where's the pod? Where, where is, you know, and, you know, and I try to keep up with it. Sometimes I can't, I was doing it every day for a while and then stopped. And the YouTube landscape has changed. Like everybody has a YouTube channel now. Um, none of them are good, but the, you know, they're, they, they definitely have it. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's wild to think about really where Dude, we did. Yeah. I mean, the whole landscape of everything has changed. Like I sat there for a little while when I, this uh this past um i guess past winter it's like well maybe i'll just do a tiktok just show up talk for a minute and a half and move on because i mean yeah. shit that that that's everywhere and that's doing well and yeah. just i mean everything has changed but at the same time like even trying to get caught back up on the text and just trying to sit down and find something to listen to uh from like a fan's point of view where it was just like keeping things grounded keeping things realistic as a Texans fan, like that was us and no one else, like God bless. Like some people are putting out some great things like cap show, like Texans cap, his show, Troy. I mean, he's doing great things over there. Like I do, I do listen to him, but it's not the same. It's not us. It's not. And there's a huge, huge hole there. I like, I like Troy. I I think he, I don't know. The the whole boy group scene on Twitter is just, Mm -hmm. It, it's honestly, a, it, it's a little much for me. It, it reminds me of like when I joined tech a long time ago, like mm-hmm. it is very much a boys group, boys supporting boys. If you don't fit in that, in that group, if you don't think like that group, if you don't talk or communicate like that group, they just, they don't exist really. Like I think Troy is super talented and I love, I, I love listening to Troy, but then I, I like, I see how he somewhat, I don't want to say Steph Stradley, but to an extent, Steph Stradley on Twitter picks and chooses who he replies to, how he replies, follows people, but doesn't engage with them. I think a lot of people do that. And and to me, that that's, well, I'm that's not a fan of that. Well, Twitter is also so incredibly toxic right now. Oh, yeah. like, I, dude, I can't even. There, t- Twitter, like, we're not going to go down that, that rabbit hole. But, I mean, it is just absolutely absolutely toxic like anyone that i have did not know from like five years ago on twitter i've pretty much stopped it interacting with them because just people are just like a different different level of just absolute toxic toxic and just asinine shit that they say yeah yeah like it's i don't know what happened there but there used to be a very good Texans Twitter community like that was one of the things we used to always kind of brag about like Texans Twitter and Astros Twitter uh those two were almost hand in hand and there was a lot of overlap but it was a there was a community there 
And I don't know what, well, I actually, I'm sure it all has to do with all the situations we had with the previous quarterback, but like that all just went into a complete meltdown. Like it's just not the same interactions. It's not fun. I don't necessarily feel like I learned stuff anymore from the other people on Twitter. And this isn't to take anything away from them. Like there, again, there's still a lot of them like in in the group chats and things like that, that I'm in that I respect what they say and I respect who they are, but the overall general community just isn't the same. Yeah, it it isn't the same. And and it's, it's for me, it's really funny, especially right now. It's like really funny because I think, and and we'll get into the draft and Nick Casario and all that other bullshit. But uh, you know, in November, I, I, I think the fan base itself as a whole penciled in a quarterback at two. Or, or just penciled in a quarterback early in the draft. And I've been on this entire thing since November. Like, these quarterbacks aren't it. Like, don't take a quarterback. Don't say quarterback just because you need a quarterback. It's been my stance right. on day one. Do not take a quarterback because you need a quarterback. Take a quarterback because you have conviction that this quarterback is going to be the guy that you tie to the franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. If you don't see that, don't take a quarterback. Um, and I got blasted for like the last five months. And what is like all the smoke that's coming out about the Texans right now? They love Bryce Young. Bryce Young's going one. They are not in love with any other quarterback at two. And they will not be going quarterback at two. Literally seems to be everything we're hearing right now. And I, well, it's, I mean, when I think of all, oh, and locked on Texans, by the way, John Hickman and Cody, 100%. Those oh, yeah, are my yeah. guys. John's been on the show. I love everything about locked on. That was, de- they were definitely not in the, uh, in the subs that, that were aimed at other people. That was John and them are, are great. I love John. Uh, definitely not intended towards them, but, but yeah, it's just interesting job because I think people, they lock on to this idea and then they, 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 what, the, and it's very political, you know, in the sense, like if you compared political situations to Texans Twitter, you could find so many different ways that they are similar when they're locked on. They don't want to have a conversation when they're locked on. They want to just be right. Mm-hmm. And that has been Texans Twitter for the last year. Yeah, I definitely see it. I mean, it was this weird thing. I, I get it because losing sucks. No one wants to lose. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if you're losing, you want to see that at least the losing is productive. And falling into that number two pick absolutely blew everything up, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Granted, that's to say I wasn't – I'm not entirely in love with Bryce Young either. Like, I mean, I'm he is either. the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback out of this group. Yep. But oh, well, 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 actually, let's. I, I mean, let's say I think he's the most NFL ready quarterback of this. Group. I mean, currently. Okay. Yeah, I won't say he's the best quarterback I, out of this group. Richardson's just an absolute freak of nature, and of he nature. he could he could be if he puts it together, the right coaching staff. Like, he could be something. Like, I don't. I think that he has like the top like composite athletic score ever for a quarterback. Ever. I, yeah, like I think ever. so. No, it's I, true. I, I could, but he's just otherworldly and his accuracy. I mean, his accuracy can work on be worked on, but there's been quarterbacks recently that had accuracy issues and had success and have had success. Um, yeah. 
um, they've gotten to the NFL and things have just changed. He's also had the most drop passes ever for ever. an NFL prospect. Over, you know who's next to Anthony Richardson for most drops ever in college football history? Dan Marino. <laughs> wow, they, they they went back to dig those stats up, but that's that's something. Yeah, yeah, that's just absolutely completion something. percentage is sixty four percent. I mean. Like, honestly, if you're going to take a risk on a quarterback this year, I would rather take a risk on him. Like, C.J. Stroud, he looks like – I mean, he has the potential. Like, don't get me wrong. He has all the sorts of potential. But to me, he's just screaming that he's going to be just like an every every quarterback. Like, or just like that average every man, journeyman quarterback. Like, you'll have him. You'll never be in love with him, but you'll never hate him. Yeah. Um, and for the second overall pick, like, that would be great because – Look at quarterbacks that have been taken number two overall. Like they're all busts. Yeah, I mean Carson Wentz had the one year, but we're looking at Zach Wilson, Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, uh, Carson Wentz, of course, and yeah, like they don't usually do so well. Uh, Robert Griffin the third, he had one year. So of all those quarterbacks, Robert Griffin the year, Robert Griffin the third, granted probably because of injuries, and Carson Wentz each. Had one good season, one MVP level season, and then everybody else has been mediocre to just straight bad. Yep. So taking a quarterback at number two is no guaranteed thing. Like honestly, taking if you want one be, at one isn't a guaranteed thing. Yeah, uh, definitely. But I mean, it, it is a little bit safer. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, it, it helps. You get the top pick for sure. Yeah, it, but I mean, that's that's not really saying much, but it's a lot safer to be honest. Uh, yeah. Comparatively. When, but when I, when I look at the quarterbacks, I've been on the Richardson train since November of last year. If I, I've always said, if we're going to take a quarterback swing big, mm-hmm. either, either completely miss or, comp- or, or hit the top, the highest ceiling of all the prospects. And you're, you're, I mean, you're going to be, if he does hit his ceiling, he's a top five quarterback in this league without a doubt, if he hits his ceiling. Now, there's lots of different things that you need to take into consideration when you say hits the ceiling, right? Uh, it's not a guarantee. There has to be a de- development plan put together by the coaching staff. You need to support him properly. You need to put him in a position to succeed. Offense needs to be built around what he can do as an athlete and as a, quarter- as a quarterback. But if you're going to swing, swing, swing big. Don't, don't mm-hmm. swing – C.J. Stroud being Dak Prescott or Jared Goff does not help this team. No. And if you look at Jared Goff, which means to, it seems to be the main comp that is used for, for – Yeah, for I could definitely see that. C.J. Stroud being Jared Goff. Right and situation, at, yeah, he'll be fine, but – It's got to be perfect, though. Like, when has mm-hmm. Jared thrived? He's thrived when everything around him is perfect. Look at the Rams. Look at the Lions last year. Like – he has to have, and and no quarterback is, is being drafted by the Texans is entering that situation right now. That that team is, no matter what people think, this team is still, from a talent perspective, lacking talent. All across the board, from wide receiver down, on defense, outside of secondary, this, this defense is not talented. They need talent. They need an influx mm-hmm. of talent at all positions. And so I think... Anthony Richardson, if we're going to take a quarterback, it has to be Anthony Richardson for two reasons. One, he has the highest ceiling. Two, I don't want him in Indy. I don't. I don't want him with Shane Steichen in Indy. 
I think that is a recipe for massive success. And it's something we're going to have to deal with for a long time if they hit on Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean, you look at what he did with uh, Jalen Hurts. Right. They would do the exact same thing in Indy. They already have the pieces in place. Like, that alone, I mean, that's terrifying as a Texans fan. That, yeah, the more, dang, why'd you bring that up? But I sit there and you, you look at, you just look at their roster as is. And you just drop Anthony Richardson into that. And they would do the exact same thing they did with Hertz. And as Richardson matured as a passer in the next two, two to three years, like, oh, my God, dude, that's terrifying. I don't, right. I don't like that thought at all. Yeah. No, I mean, not their at offensive all. Like, line, their offensive line isn't great. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not great. They're missing a tackle. Um, mm-hmm. But – and they don't have a ton of weapons, but they do have some. They can add more. They have draft capital – Obviously, you know, with a rookie quarterback, you're going to be able to support him next year in the draft, free agency, so many different things. But to me, I just don't want to see that. I, I don't want to see our division rival grab a guy who has the ceiling that Anthony Richardson has. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I would trade back in hopes that so, if you're not oh, going to take him. It's, the ceiling, take it's him. the ceiling plus fit. Correct. That, that's the thing. The ceiling plus the fit, like – Richardson wouldn't have to mature as a passer for him to be instantly dropped onto that ND team and then be competitive. Right. I would be happier with them taking uh, Levis. Levis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, big arm, like there's some people that, that love him, but to me, he just screams uh, Zach Wilson all over again, but him which on the means Colts? we're going to be wrong, which means we're going to be wrong. He's going to be oh, yeah, the best yeah. quarterback in this draft. That's just oh, the way definitely. this works. Yeah. We all shit on Levis. We all don't yeah. think he's very good. And that means that wherever he goes, he's going to be the oh, best yeah. quarterback in this draft. That's well, I mean, like he doesn't, he, I mean, again, he has the physical ability to do so. And the Kentucky receivers were trash last year. So yeah, like he has the potential to do it, but to me, he just screams Zach Wilson, immature um, decision maker. He doesn't have the ability to fall back on anything if he can't throw it. And he has a plus arm. Uh, yeah. But if you put him on the Colts in the way they're constructed right now, okay, he's going to take two years to develop regardless. Yep. They, that, that's not instantly scary. But the Colts plus uh, Richardson, I mean, they will be very good next year because Richardson could essentially – they could treat him like Lamar Jackson's rookie year. They could treat him like uh, Robert um, – RG3's rookie year where they rely on his legs to create the the mismatch in the passing game. And if he, Richardson matures as a passer with the weapons that Indy already has, yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. Him with Just Jonathan a backfield Taylor. with Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson? No. And, and they're still running behind that offensive line. I mean, there's still some holes there, but they, you still have Quentin Nelson at guard. Like yeah. that's still just wrecking people in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah. You have Ryan Kelly at center. Like, I just that just does not sound fun but then Mm -hmm. another thing when it comes to Anthony Richardson and this is something I've been saying for a long time you know we're not in the NFC okay we have Pat Mahomes Lamar Jackson Josh Allen Trevor Lawrence like Justin Herbert there's probably two more I'm missing if you're gonna compete you're gonna need that guy that like that you're gonna need a top five guy we've seen it year in year out those yeah, that sort of ceiling. You you need that ceiling to be able to have the ability to compete in the AFC. It's just it is what it is. And even with Bryce, I like Bryce. I think Bryce 
from a cerebral mindset, you know, super smart. I totally get all that. And I think he could be really good. And I think he should be really good in the right system. Um, The size though, eh, somewhat concerning, but the arm is the, like, I just don't know what he has to rely on from an athletic perspective that is going to be something that he could fall back on when things aren't working because he's going to be in situations where things aren't working. And in the NFL, I don't know if what he did at Alabama is going to translate to the NFL. Things are so much quicker. Those windows are so much tighter. If you can't put the zip needed on an out throw, which is the number one thrown ball in the NFL, that's scary to me. But I think Bryce, it's good, but to to take the risk on a guy that's 5'10", or sorry, I guess technically he's six foot according to the combine. <laughs> um, uh, that's That's the fear I had with Bryce. But at the end of the day, I, I don't really care. So let's get into the draft, John. I mean, ultimately at two and twelve, what what do you want Nick to do? Actually, you know, before we get into that, I know you hate Nick Casario. I do I not get hate this Nick That's I do not Let's hate him. you. Hate I do Nick not Casario. hate him. You can't stand there, him. I don't hate anybody. Well, let's rephrase that. There's very very few people that I that I hate. Okay. Nick Casario is not one of them. Now you don't like Nick a, Casario. No, I'm just less than impressed. <laughs> Okay, so can I ask you before we get into this, what were the expectations for Nick when he came in, but from you in your mind, like what did Nick in my mind, need to do in uh, two years? Start building a foundation. Okay, like how do you do a that? Solid foundation. Uh, you get the right coaches. You mm-hmm. take a look at young high risk players. Yeah. Uh, you look for you look for like gems essentially. Like take some risk. Yeah. Uh, get the cap under under control, and then of Which course handle the Deshaun situation. Yeah. Now, what I would say is he's got a passing grade. But sure. for me, it's one of those where right now he's operating just passing. Like, I don't think he's done horrible. I don't think he's done great. Yeah. I think he's done what he's not necessarily supposed to do, but he's done adequate. I, I, okay? So my thought is above average. Okay. But my, my thought is adequate. Like okay. he's handled some things above average. He's handled some things he could have been could have been better. Sure, I agree. And with that, if you are if you're navigating at adequate, and we are about to have all these young draft play, picks coming in, is that enough? If you're because to in my mind, Casario is here for one more season and leaves, and that's the worst thing. Because you take this draft, which is probably our most value-heavy draft, yeah, and he gets it, and then somebody with a completely different philosophy comes in next year mm-hmm. and takes that draft with a completely different philosophy than this draft. Yeah. So it makes it harder to build upon him. If I knew for sure that Casario is going to be the guy for the next three to five years, like, yeah, I'm cool with him. But at this point, the fact that he got two coaching searches taken away from him like he, regardless, the situation was tough, but he essentially got those decisions taken away from him. So in my mind, that says that he doesn't have enough of a leash that he was supposed to have. Like he was supposed to come in and just run football completely. And it looks like for whatever reason, his responsibilities keep getting narrowed and narrowed and narrowed. Now, at this point where it's still amicable and you can just let him go and somebody else comes in and takes these picks and whatnot like to me that would make more sense 
versus having a situation where you have a GM getting let go while still trying to build this young core. Like I, what, what was the point of all this if we waste another draft? And you've seen other teams have all these first round picks and then not able to capitalize on. That's why the NFL hierarchy pretty much stays the same. The bad teams stay bad, middle teams stay in the middle, and the top teams stay at the top. And those top teams are drafting at the end of the first round every single year. Yeah. And they stay good. And everybody always wants to point at the quarterback, but it's not always the quarterback. It's no, it's, it's the culture. It's building players that complement each other. It's having that same direction. And that's why uh, Bill O'Brien, like, I'm not saying that I'm not defending him, but they were right when they said that the coaching staff and front office need to have alignment because you build year after year. Yep. And if you are constantly flipping a coach and constantly flipping a GM, they're never going to get on the same page and you can't start to build that foundation. And then you stay stuck. And then you yeah. stay like some of these bad teams and you just say you're in, you're out and you don't move up and you don't move down. Whereas for me, I'd rather crash and burn and then build ourselves back up with a team that has alignment than risk staying in the middle. I think, uh, I, I think those are all extremely good points. I, I, I can't debate a lot of it, to be honest with you. I think it's tough. Uh, I think we've all worked in a volatile work environment where upper management isn't aligned and, and you can see the dysfunction. I think we all understand kind of what that looks like. If we take it off of the, the scale of NFL organization and just apply it to our day-to-day, I think we've all probably experienced what that looks like. You know, it's hard. I think every situation is different. You know, when you're hired as a GM and you're told you're going to be able to do what you want to do, and then Janice McNair hires Coley because Gary suggests David Coley, and then Lovey is hired because Cal is – hit with a lawsuit from Brian Flores and Cal steps in and makes a decision. It's like, I look at this and I, I, I look at the totality of the organization and the history of what's gone on the last two years. And I think to myself, like what GM could succeed, you know, what, what GM can have success when you're being micromanaged, when you're being told that these things are happening and you're not being able to make the decisions that you came into the organization thinking you would be able to make. I think that's a tough situation. But when I break down Nick Casario's time here, he's had flunders. He hasn't been perfect. Brandon Cooks is the first one that comes to mind. I don't believe that we could have gotten a two for Nick for Brandon Cooks last year. I honestly don't. I, I think that is very far-fetched. And anybody that honestly believes that you can get a second-round pick for Brandon Cooks, I don't think they're listening. And I don't think they understand the way the market works. We're, we're seeing it now to where nobody's even willing to trade a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to have to, Arizona's talking about letting them go because they can't mm-hmm. get what they want. So I think that it, while he did fumble it, I don't think he fumbled it to the level that people think he fumbled it. The signing of Brandon Cooks, I think that's a tough one too, because it's like you've seen, you saw what Brandon Cooks did your first year. You thought that he was bought into the rebuild. He probably told you he was bought into the rebuild. So you signed him to an extension to find a foundational piece, at least, or some, some piece to keep consistent with the team. And then he comes, goes off and is, I'm not on the rebuild. I don't want this. I want, I think that's hard. Like, how do you know that going in that somebody's going to change their thought process on being with the organization? But I get it. He fucked that up. I think the biggest mishap that Casario has had is the UDFAs. I don't think it's free agency. I think it's really hard. Like, what do you, you're going to sign a, a free agent his first year uh, that's 26 or 27 to a four year contract? 
I mean, by the time that four-year contract's up, this team isn't even competing. So really, what's the point of signing the four-year guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the UDFAs, like not not having a team full of young players that could come in, that that piece I think is probably the most critical aspect of what Nick has not done since being with the Texans. That's, I will say, yep. That's where we're in complete agreement. Like, I don't even fault him for the mediocre older veterans that he's signed if he brought in the undrafted behind him. Right. But we – was it last year or the year before? And I'm still not over it. We had the, the smallest undrafted free agent. Yeah. Like, seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. that's the situation that the Texans are in. You go young and cheap. Like, everybody talks about, like, the Astros rebuild and how it was trashed or how it was uh, – how, how they uh, tanked and whatnot. And, but here's the thing. With the Astros rebuild, a lot of those draft picks didn't work out. They had a lot of them. Yeah, but they also signed a lot of players. They just signed a lot of young players. Like they just want a volume approach of young players to try and find the guys that would work out. And that's what I was hoping the Texans would do: volume, yeah. just like a volume of young players. And then you would look even at our practice squad pop, spots where we'd have veterans that are three or four years in that we already know what they are. Right. And they're not that they were necessarily bad players. They were probably great players on the team that was competing, or great pieces, not players. Right which is not what we needed. We weren't competing. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there is nobody that can that can tell me that Nick handled the UDFAs the right way. You just can't. The, the team should have been influxed with a ton of young talent that you may not know what they could be, but you're finding out. And I think that's that's the biggest miss. Because if you can find, let's say you find one per season, well, now you have two additional foundational pieces that you're able to keep on this roster. Um, I think the other thing that he, the one thing he did extremely well that I, he, I honestly, I don't believe people give him credit. I even heard Jordan yesterday on spaces say that Nick really shouldn't, he didn't do anything that another NFL GM would have done. And I think the way he handled the Deshaun Watson situation, when we look back in the actual situation with Deshaun, if you remember, John, People were telling Nick and and saying Nick should have traded him at the trade deadline to Miami mm-hmm. before he settled for for two ones. That's what the offer was from Miami. It was two ones. Nick held tight and waited till the settlement, created a market for Deshaun, made the way he had it to where they have to submit their offers. Like I, I thought he actually executed that perfectly. I mean, literally perfectly. We walked away from that situation i honestly never thought we'd get anything from deshaun when all that stuff came up i thought there was a good chance he's just released or we can't get anything for him to get three ones a two and some threes i i i don't know how anybody could say that nick did what an average gm would have done because i think a lot of them would have flinched early and took whatever they could have gotten and you know i'll give him credit for that and i think part of the credit also goes to uh, David, Mugletta. I'm sorry, uh, Mugletta. I hate butchering people's last names and yeah. I can't say last names. We all know. <laughs> um, but I think part of that actually, I think Nick working with him to actually get the deal because look what, what happened. Like the Browns painted themselves into a corner They're with the fucked. trade. And they also had to pay to Sean because of what they gave up. So that yeah. was two hand in hand. And you just compare that to the Lamar Jackson situation. 
Yep. Lamar Jackson is looking for, of course, a new contract. Uh, and the best that he's gotten is the non-exclusive franchise tag from the uh, Ravens. Yep. Now to sign Lamar Jackson, you give up two first-round picks. That's it. For a quarterback that is arguably more successful than Deshaun Watson, no off-field troubles. Yep. And younger. Yep. All you'd have to do is two first-round picks and yep. pay him. Yep. So to me, that actually shows the mastery of not just that Casario and David, um, they work together. Yep. They had to I work agree. together to get the situation so for the Texans to get the most that they got and for Deshaun to get his his paycheck. And, you know, F the Browns because they are they're in a mess now. But that wasn't all Casario. The, the thing I would give him credit there is he was able to work with him to do that. And, yeah, that obviously was not an easy thing to do. But outside of that, which, I mean, granted, that's a, a huge feather. I was just again, about to say, outside yeah, of like that, that should not, not be said. <laughs> but outside of that, it's like you've got to take a step back, and he did this, and he got this great haul. Now what's going to happen with it? Yeah. And regardless, he was in a horrible situation. Right. But now his best friend's already been fired. Yep. Um, some of the players that he, he was close with don't want to talk to him anymore. Um, so that whole situation, like, why, why would he necessarily want to stay? Why would he want to necessarily give it his all? Well, so I'll be honest and, I mean, that's just what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's good. I have no idea w- with the rumors if there's any truth to any of that. To me, it's just like, do we have a GM that still hasn't been beat down by the situation that is going to stick around with this coach? Even yeah. though this coach also has a different coaching, like his philosophy and the way he was brought up is different than this area is. Yeah. So is there going to be alignment there? Yeah, I think it's it's funny that Lombardi uh, tweeted out or put out today that Nick might leave on his own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I have a family friend who's covered the Patriots for 20 years and Tuesday told me that it would be a Nick decision. Uh, Nick would walk away. Uh, it wouldn't be just like that. Cal and Hannah actually love Nick. Um, but Nick is just from Nick is a Bostonian. He, he spent so much time in Boston. He's, he is Bill O'Brien, but as a GM, just better with scouting, better with handling the GM duties. But from a personality perspective, he's not much different than Bill O'Brien. He's a dick. He's moody. Uh, you don't know what Nick you're going to get each day. Um, and that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And, you know, I know he's ecstatic about D'Amico. And I, I do think that there's a good chance that this is worked out between the two of them. I think they both can talk football in a way that they both relate. I think they both share the same passion for football. But I do believe that there is going to be a fundamental misunderstanding on how the team should be built. Mm-hmm. And everything I understand from what I've heard is that D'Amico wants Will Anderson at two. Or a defense, at least, at two. And Nick wants to trade back if Bryce is not available. Um, and so there's already starting to be, you know, somewhat of a misalignment happening very early in the process. So if Nick did walk away, I wouldn't fault him. I think when he leaves though, I would say that Nick did what he was supposed to do when he was hired. He put this team in a better position than what it was when he took over. Um, and that's that he moves on and Adam Peters or whoever comes in, they'll have two first next year and whatever Nick gets for trading back. If he trades back this year and the team's in a a good spot right now, if Nick leaves after this draft, no matter how this draft goes, 
the team is in a good spot. A GM I mean, should be able to come in here and 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 really honestly get this thing going in the right direction. There's no reason to think that they can't. Yeah, we're so much better off than where we were. Right. And I mean, I it should have, could have, would have. It just it pains me because I think Bill O'Brien and Nick Casario would have been a great match. It would have been perfect. And honestly, and if we revisionist like, if, history. If, 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 Revisionist history, if you brought in Casario right when you wanted to hire him, brought in Gain as the assistant GM instead of the full GM, and then Bill Bryan coaching, like that, this is a completely different world we're in. Oh, my God. We'd be, we would be a I, – honestly, I truly believe this. If, Nick, if they would have hired Nick when Bob McNair wanted to hire Nick mm-hmm. before if They Brian didn't Gaines, mess up that situation. Yeah. Like, we, would, we would be in a situation where I honestly think this team is on, is on its way and competing year in year out. I know mm-hmm. Bill the GM sucks ass and and don't get me wrong, there's no there's nothing that anybody could say about Bill O'Brien the general manager that's positive. I do think the coach was a good coach. I believe he was somewhat handicapped and I think him and Nick would have aligned perfectly and this this would have been a, a completely different situation. But I do think and I'm going to be honest with you John and we'll move on from Nick cuz I know we have to end at 10 but um I honestly believe the disdain for 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 Nick is is associated with two things. I think it's uh, I think it's the New England ties in general. People just don't they're tired of New England South. They they want a fresh identity. They don't want to be associated with New England's ways. So I think that is a big part of it. And then I think the Jack Easterby piece. They they miss the fact that the Texans have been targeting Nick before Jack Easterby was even here. They leave that out though they believe the story that it was all Jack and that's why Nick's here. And I think that's the other reason why people want Nick on is they want a fresh cleanse from everything Easter B has had his fingers on and they want to start over, which I, I somewhat understand. And I agree with, um, but those are the two which reasons is, why I honestly think they want him gone. You know, and I mean, honestly, I find that fair, like to just want a fresh new start from that whole mess. And just that regardless, like, what our ultimate opinions were on Easterby, uh, like how much of it was overblown, how much of it was the uh, media manipulation and so forth. Just that whole shadow, that whole essence, like just that yeah. whole story, just a fresh cleanse from it, I have no issue with. Which I actually find surprising that you're saying that there's this disdain for Casario because for me, it's been the opposite where people are mad at me because I'm like, I'm cool if he moves on. Like I'm cool mm. moving on from him. Like I'm not like aggressively when to necessarily move on from him, but I am more than fine with it. Like I am more well, than fine with a reset. I say that, but I say it's really just the the the, the boys group um, mm-hmm. that are pushing the the, the Casario narrative. But um, yeah, I mean, either way, at the end of the day, I like Casario. I do think that it would be. I'd prefer to see him finish this. I, I don't. I don't want to see. I don't want to go through another situation where. This guy, I, I don't want to not see his finished product because I do think that there's a plan in his mind. And, you know, you talked about like taking risks and, and stuff like the Stingley pick and the Kenyon Green pick were two big risks. Stingley had an injury history, but had in 2019, maybe some a top five cornerback tape in college prior to getting yeah. hurt. And he took a risk on it. Kenyon Green was a risk at guard, right? So he does take some risks. Um they just need to pay off. And I think that's that's ultimate. I think Stingley will pay off. I'm not worried about Derek Stingley. I well, think Derek Stingley will be a player. Like, I get what you're saying, but this is the NFL. This is real life. Nothing is owed to anybody. Like, right. and everything, if everything is completely right in the world and everything was completely fair, 
yeah, Casario should have an opportunity to see his vision uh, played out. Like he should, like for all intents and purposes, like he seems like a great guy. Like, again, he has done an adequate job. He's handled a couple of things beyond adequately, but I mean, it's the NFL, like live fast, move on. And I just don't, I I'm, I'm ready for the turnover and the turmoil to stop. If Casario yeah, is going to be too. here for the, for the length, then yeah, just keep him. Like I'm again, not his biggest fan, but like you've said, maybe he needs more opportunity, but if it's going to be one of those things where we keep hearing this up and down, then just let him go. And this Adam Peters rumor, like uh, uh, Robert Guerrero, he just dropped it in chat. Like I've seen that floating around, but that's like, that's a dream. Like that's head in the clouds. Like Peters is really, really good. He's the assistant GM and the for the 49ers. Like he knows the Shanahan uh, type, type architect, player architect, probably better than anyone. Like um, John Lynch has, has mentioned just how valuable he is. So yeah. That, I mean, if we could get Peters, like I'd, I'd let Casario go in the heartbeat to get that because there would be that that sync between the coaching staff that we've brought in and Peters. Like they would be looking for the same sort of players. They would know what to build together. But other than that, like there's no one else that's jumping out that I would say, hey, we should go get them and let Casario go. Um, other, it, at this point, it just should be Casario's decision. And, may, and the reason it's coming up now is maybe there is – a like it would make sense if it's something that they're trying to do mutual because this is the GM busy GM's busiest time of the year. Let him finish yeah. through to the end of his job. Yeah. And the draft is the end of his job. And at that point it would make sense if it was mutual. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, by the way, I haven't had a chance to tell you this and uh, I'll be taking the S2 cognitive test uh, sometime next week. Um, I wanted to understand it and see, what this what the makeup of oh this the is. new wonderlink <laughs> yeah basically basically yeah uh, re- i reached out to him so i'll be and then i have a meeting with them next week and then i'll take that and then i'm actually going to have uh the owner on the show to talk about it. oh that's awesome because uh, it seems to be something that people are talking a lot about but um all right we got like eight minutes um picks two and twelve john what are you what are you looking for? What are you expecting? I, I don't need a name necessarily. I don't need you to tie a pick to a person or a player, but in an ideal situation for this to be a successful draft, what what do they need to walk away with on draft night? I, I don't know. Um, like part of me just wants to be absolutely crazy and you go with two of the guys that are not gonna miss. But will they actually get us where we need to go? And that's, of course, going with Bijan Robinson and uh, Jackson Smith. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, if you go with those two guys, those two guys are going to be pro bowlers in the NFL. Um, they will instantly elevate any quarterback that you have. Uh, we're rolling out there with Case Keenum, and we have those those sort of weapons. Could you imagine a Bijan Robinson and Damian Pierce one-two punch in the backfield? That'd be interesting. What, with Schultz and uh, Smith, like, I mean, even uh, Robert Woods is over the hill, but still, when you put that together, like, all of a sudden, your offense looks a whole lot better, whoever's the signal caller, yeah, and puts us in position next year to go get some, get a court, another quarterback still. Like, we're, we're still there. And those guys are just can't misses. But positional value with running backs, even if Bijan Robinson, 
is like a Hall of Fame quality player, like taking taking a running back that early, does it really work out? Will he be good long enough? Like if you look back at like the Christian McCarthy's, um, the Saquon uh, McCaffrey, sorry, uh, Saquon Barkley. <laughs> like if you look back on them, like Reggie Bush, Ronnie Brown, like these quarter- running backs were taking that early. Like, did they really alter their franchise? Even if they, even when they were good, even when McCaffrey was sitting there just setting the world on fire as a Panther, did he really alter the franchise enough to get him where you wanted him to be? And I mean, the Giants are getting better, but I mean, Barkley may not even be on them next year. Yeah, I I like Bijan. Don't get me wrong; I think he's great. I, I think he's probably the best offensive weapon in this draft, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, us being in Austin, we, we've we've seen him up close. Uh, I got to go to the pro day, like. He is a talent, without a doubt. I, I guess my concern with taking like a Bijan Robinson is just the fact that when this team is ready to compete, how many years are, are on are left on that rookie contract? And, right. Because we've seen it in the NFL where, especially now, with over the last five or six years, like a lot of these teams aren't signing their 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 running backs to a second contract. They're letting them go to you know in the market and. It's like if you're going to invest that pick, like you you need to be able to compete. I would say at least, if not next year, the year after. You have to be Ooh. in year three ready to compete with Bijan as, you know, that one-two punch with Damian Pierce. And maybe they are. You know, maybe they are. Don't get me wrong. I think they could be. I mean, let, let's put it like this. What if you have Bijan at two and Anthony Richardson makes it to 12? Well, that won't happen. Well, but, yeah. What, what would you think of that team, of the Texans? Well, so what, you would take Bijan at two and then AR at, at 12? Yeah. What would you think of that team? Like if that oh, happened? I'd be, I'd, be stat- I'd be excited. It'd be hard not to be. I'd be worried about the future a little bit, but I'd be excited. I, I mean, look, it's would, really hard I mean, to disagree with that, to would, be honest with you. We would have a three or four year run where we're going to make the playoffs three out of those four years. No doubt with those two picks. Yeah. As long as AR develops. Yep. I mean, even if all AR does is, is, uh, is a third running back. True, true. Like when you look Very at how stacked that would be and what we think that DeMarco can do with our defense. Like three to four years, like those two picks were I'm not saying that they're the right picks. I'm not saying those picks ever get us sure. past the wild card. But I'm just saying, just think of it. Yeah, no, it'd be a shit ton of fun. A shit ton of fun. Would that Honestly, be worth only having three or four years like that though? It would. Well, I mean, you have to think like while we say three to four years, we really don't know. I mean, you know, they could both. I mean, you could with Damian and Singletary and Bijan, you might be able to lighten the load over the next three to four years with Bijan to where it's worth extending him mm-hmm. and getting another two years out, right? You do um, that and he turns into Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, I, like I, I would probably flip it though. I don't think I would go to Bijan 12 AR. I'd probably go AR to Bijan 12. I, I, it's very hard for me to believe that a team is going to take Bijan in the top 10. Um, Cause typically if you, if you look at yeah. it, the running back position is well, considered the, re- a luxury the reason I bring that up round. is the last time there was a running back that tested as well, or was graded as high as Bijan and Bijan's actually graded higher than was Saquon Barkley, and he went number two. Yep, yep. No, you're right. You're right, 100%. Like, I guess the way I look at it now, it, since, since Saquon, a first-round quarterback or a first-round rookie is typically a luxury. Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Hilaire, 
Like it's typically the the Chiefs type teams that can afford to take that type of type of player in the first round. So it's really hard for me to see him going top ten. But then again, I could easily see him going top ten because he is the best offensive player in this draft. It's not even debatable. He is the best offensive player in the draft. Um, I, I'm I'd be all for it honestly at this point. I, I, I would say AR and and Bijan is something that. That, that's just scary on paper, let alone just yeah, on yeah. paper. Everything, uh, everything's scary on paper. It takes one bad knee injury and all blows right. up. But, but in this offense, I also think it's extremely enticing. Uh, if, if this is going to be a very similar offense to what we've seen within the Niners from the Niners in the past, it's really hard to imagine that that's not a top ranked offense in the NFL. No yeah, matter you who get... you have at what Robert Woods is fine when you got Bijan as because he can line up at wide receiver. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he you can line him, up anywhere. Yeah. You need him to be the primary blocker. Um, well, Schultz, you have your your tight end that that sinks in like a um, that can block and and receive. And then don't forget uh, Jordan Brevin's still around. Like who knows? And then you have Amari Rogers, who could be the gadget player that you put in motion. And then with that sort of running back, like it could be fun. I'm not. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got to hop because I have a meeting, and I'm sure you do too. But uh, I just got confirmation that I will have Matt Waldman on four nine on uh, four nineteen at nine p.m. Oh wow, big get! Yeah, it's a big get. Um, big get, big get. Yeah, John. Uh, obviously, I love you, and uh, this was a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> this was great. This felt like old times. How can, we're going to do this again? Yeah, of course. Okay, we'll figure it okay. out. You guys heard it here first. We just reported live per sources. John Wade will make, be making a return to Texans Unfiltered. Um, all right. With that being said, John, what else you got before we go? That's everything, man. I appreciate you having me back on. Oh, stop it. Don't ever say that again. Having me back on. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Anyways, you guys know where to find us. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, and... Yeah, comment below and we'll catch you guys sometime next week.